grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When you are doing something, working on something, or have a certain habit, how long will you stick to it when hardships come upon you? Well, in many ways, it depends on what the circumstances are, what the details, and how important the thing is to you. A little while ago, when eggs became crazy expensive, how important was it for you to stick with your preferred brand or your preferred kind of egg? Or was the hardship of the additional cost just too much, and you went for what was cheaper because everyone else was doing the same thing? If you're like me, you probably went for the cheaper option, at least for a little while with that. Or, or say, for example, that your vehicle is just a matter of time till it heads to the junkyard. We keep up with the important acts of routine maintenance and the recommended or optional repairs, or give up on that hardship because, well, it's going there anyways, and those fixes are not going to change anything at all. If it's not too important to you, you probably will drop it when the hardships come. But if something is important to you, well, then you'll wear weather the hardships. Parents will tell you that parenting is not easy. There involves discipline and patience and love, all shown at the same time. And yet parents don't give up on parenting. One, because, well, they love their kids. But also because of the importance of raising their kids in God's good and holy way. But what about your job? Do you enjoy what you do or what you did? If you don't, well, why don't you just up and quit tomorrow? Probably because of the paycheck. Is that important? And you'll make do with the hardships that come along the way. Simply put, if something's important to you, you will go through any number of hardships in order to retain or to maintain it. It's this line of logic that Paul uses as he writes to young Timothy, as he prepares to enter into the public ministry of the importance of preaching the word itself, despite the hardships he truly would have. Yes, those hardships would make Paul, make Timothy wonder if it is worth the cost of preaching this word, but this word he preaches is too important, it's simply too wondrous to let it fall by the side. And then to further encourage him, Paul offers himself as an example of one who has faithfully preached the word and as such is confident for what will come when he finally departs from this world. And as we consider our place in God's holy ministry, may we too take these words to heart. To preach the word, even when others turn away until we finally depart to our home in heaven. In Paul's words to Timothy, he gives a number of commands. And the overarching one is simply this, preach the word. But what exactly does that look like? What is all entailed in preaching the word? Well, Paul goes at further length to explain some additional commands to help and follow up on that preaching. Things like be ready whether it's convenient or not. That is to be on call at all times. To correct, rebuke, and encourage with all patience and teaching means to lovingly expose our sins and our need for a Savior. And then to quickly encourage with the soothing forgiveness that Jesus alone can give. To keep a clear head is to be sober-minded, that is, not overcome by anything. 
to bear hardship signals that this preaching, it is not going to be easy. Just look at what Jesus said to the twelve for he sent them out in today's gospel. To do the work of an evangelist, showing that, G- that Timothy would be preaching the word of people who do not know who Jesus was and probably at first did not want to hear what Timothy had to say. And then lastly, fulfill your ministry. Leave no stone, no stone unturned to carry your service to the Lord himself. After Paul gills at length describing what all it means to preach the word, he then warns Timothy of some hardships he's going to be having, of how people who once listened to him would turn away. Some would do so as they turn to accumulation of yes-man teachers to, it, to scratch what their itching ears want to hear. Have you ever had it when you've had an itch that just will not go away? It's on your mind, it is distracting you, and you can't focus on what is in front of you until you can finally scratch that itch. That's what Timothy's listeners had themselves. But what they were itching to hear was not what they needed to hear, but what they wanted to hear, to appeal to their sinful desires. There are others that Timothy would be preaching to who would turn away because they would go after from the truth to some version of a myth. We don't know what exactly Paul was referring to, but a myth is devoid of any lasting truth, any lasting value. And when Timothy would see these people who once listened to him turning aside to something else, undoubtedly he would ask himself, should I keep preaching the word when people obviously don't want to listen? Should I stop preaching before I accidentally contribute to somebody's eternal condemnation? The hardships he would bear from preaching the word would be very real indeed. We can ask ourselves the same questions when we see how people turn away from us when we preach the same word of who our Savior Jesus is. As we heard in our worship series, how every Christian has a part in God's holy ministry to preach the word and the, form and the, the role that they are in, whether it's as a pastor, as a parent, as a friend, and any other number of examples. And as we preach that word, how might those hardships come because people turn away? Maybe it's those who once listened turn away to their own accumulation of yes-man teachers who scratch what their itching ears want to hear, not what they need, but what they want. Maybe it's those we preach to who share the truth with, but now have turned aside to some version of a modern-day myth. Uh, a different religion, uh, untamed science, uh, self-enlightenment, or anything else that denies Jesus as our sole Savior and Lord. When we see these people turn away, when we see these hardships that are weighing on us, might we ask ourselves, as Timothy did, should I keep preaching the word? Is it worth the hardships that come with it? Remember what we said earlier. If something is important enough to you, you'll go through the hardships that come along with it. When it comes to our call of preaching the word that we have as Christians, it is indeed important enough to to weather every hardship out there. 
Because this word is about Jesus and what he has done for you and for me. It is this word that is too important to be kept quiet because it is unique. It is unparalleled and it is certain. It is unique nowhere else where you find the message of Jesus whose life, death, and resurrection was for your forgiveness, life, and salvation. This word is unparalleled because it's not like what some believe to be a self-help book so you become a better version of yourself. But the means to which God gives to you the full measure of his blessings right now, and even more to come down the road. It is this word which is certain because it comes from God himself, and so you can know that it is going to be true what to know, what to believe, what to depend on without a single doubt in your mind. And on top of all that, as much as simply too wondrous of you and me, a sinner, forgiven by God himself, and heaven is now ours. There is nothing like this word. There is nothing as important as it and sharing it as well. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy to preach it. Why? Just look to what Jesus said to the twelve for he sent them out and all the things that they would endure in sharing that word. See what Paul shares with Timothy about what to expect as he enters into the public ministry. Perhaps even having experiences of your own to show how hard this can be. And yet we cannot stay quiet, for this message is too important, too wonderful, too unique to keep quiet. And so may we preach this word, even when others turn away as the hardships come upon us, and may we preach this word until we finally depart from this world. Up to now, Paul had been giving Timothy a bunch of commands, instructions, and just overview of what is to come as he enters into the public ministry. And it's here that he changes gears a little bit as he offers himself as an example to encourage Timothy of someone who has kept the faith and as such is certain because of what is going to come. We see Paul describe himself on the brink of his final departure as he describes himself as being poured out like a drink offering or as a runner who's just about finished his race. That, that, that drink offering refers to part of the Old Testament sacrifices, where you would pour anywhere from a quart to a half gallon of wine over certain animal sacrifices. As Paul's life ebbed away, he felt like the dregs of a drink offering, poured out in service to God, and he does not have much left in him. Thinking of that race and that runner who's running it, this is not a sprint or a short distance, but rather think more so of an ultra marathon where success is measured in simply finishing the race. For Paul's entire life, he had been running this race, first as an unbeliever, then later as a Christian, and bore all kinds of hardships along the way that truly tried him in ways unimaginable. He was looking forward to getting to the end. And he was almost there. And how he couldn't wait to cross that finish line and finally depart to his home above in heaven. As Paul looks back on his life, he mentions two things to Timothy. I have kept the faith, and there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness. The Lord, the righteous judge, will give it to me. 
You see, Paul had preached this faith that comes through the word to countless others in the decades that he was a Christian. But he did more than just preach it. He also believed it, keeping this faith. And from this word that shows with us the certainty of what is to come when we finally depart, that Paul knew he would have in a short time. The Lord, the righteous judge himself, placing upon his head the crown of righteousness. And finally, Paul could enjoy all the joys of heaven that he had been waiting for for so long. Suppose you knew when you were about to finally depart from this world. Would you be as calm as Paul is as he writes these words to Timothy? Could you look back at a life where you could say, I have kept the faith, faithfully preaching the word and believing it as well? Maybe it's difficult especially in those moments when our spirits feel as spent or strung out as Paul was, as he was that drink offering, almost done, or that ultra-marathon, or not quite to the finish line. Because when we are spent, when we are strung out, when we're at our wit's end, what is it we want to do? To rest, relax, and just unplug from life. Wouldn't it be nice if we could take an extended vacation from preaching this word and the hardships that come from it? Wouldn't it be nice if we could just put God on autopilot in the back of our minds so we can just figure out our life and then come around to God later on? Wouldn't it be nice if someone else could do what God has called us to do as Christians, to preach the word? As you imagine yourself in that point of departure, now look the other way to what is going to come. Would you be as certain as Paul is as what to expect? I pray you are now. Because <laughs> the Bible makes it very clear of what we expect. That for the Christian who falls asleep in the name of the Lord, that is a person who has faith in Jesus as their Savior, heaven is theirs. Forgiveness is already theirs. And it is simple as that. No strings attached. Nothing else is needed. And we know what will be ours. But will you keep the certainty as you progress to the unknown future? This past week in Vacation Bible School, we had the privilege of time traveling to a handful of different locations, places like Jerusalem, Jericho, and Athens, as we got to see what happened there with Jesus himself walking or one of the apostles sharing the good news. And we had a lot of fun in Vacation Bible School, as the kids can tell you. But if you were to go to those places today that we visited where Jesus himself walked or the word itself was preached by Paul, would you find a stronghold of Christianity, an entire community who has been faithful to God since the days of the New Testament who fully know what to look forward to when they pass away from this world? Not entirely. Why is that? It's because many, not all, but many have since turned away from this truth of the word. And when you turn away from the word, not only do you lose the truth, but that certainty of what is to come in the future when we go to our home in heaven, well, you lose sight of that too. Where might we fall when we get to our point of final departure? Well, we can't read the future, and we can't guarantee that we'll be as calm as Paul at our point of final departure. We do know where to go now. 
so that we can be so. To the word, to the one we find in it. This word that we preach is all about Jesus Christ, whose life, death, and resurrection was for you to be a child of God, an heir of heaven, and wiped clean of all of your sins. And as we preach that word, we take it to heart ourselves so that our appreciation is continually renewed of what he has done for us on that cross. Our attitude is fine-tuned so that we are thankful servants of the Lord and what all he has done for us, and how can we not share this good news with others? And when we're feeling spent and strung out, we go to the Word, to our Jesus, whose presence, power, and promise sustains you and lifts you up and gives you that strength to keep on preaching His Word despite the hardships. With a heart that has kept the faith, we then get the confidence of what is to come when we finally depart, just as Paul had himself. And the Bible speaks a whole lot about what heaven is going to be. We'll just talk about what Paul mentions in our verses this morning. What will happen when you depart for heaven? The Lord, the righteous judge himself, will place on your head the victorious crown of righteousness. No longer do you have to hide underneath Christ's righteousness because you are a sinner down to the core, but rather you will be transformed, be glorified so that you yourself are righteous because sin is no more. The righteous judge will assure that you are in the right place because he himself has said to you how you are not guilty for all eternity. And where do you go if you're not guilty? You go to heaven. And as you look around, who else do you see but the blessed company of everyone else who's called Jesus their Savior and has looked towards his coming on the last day with longing and love. If something is important to you, you'll go through any number of hardships so you can continue and to retain it. As we consider the call we have as Christians to serve God and to preach his word, there's no greater important task than to preach this word about who Jesus is and his forgiveness for sinners like you and me. Paul was kind enough to tell Timothy what is all included in that and to warn him of the hardships that would come when people would turn away. And yet despite those hardships, it was not worth it to get rid of the word, but rather to keep on it even in the midst of those difficulties Because this word is too important. It's too wonderful. It's too blessed to keep quiet because of some hardships we have in life. To further encourage Timothy and us today who also preach this word, we look to Paul at the end of his life who could say that he has kept the faith and so is confident of what is to come ahead and what made him so calm. The word that we preach, the Jesus we find within, who makes known to us what will be the case now and forever. As we consider our place within God's holy ministry, may we take to heart these very words that Paul wrote to Timothy. To preach the word of Jesus, even when others turn away, till we finally depart for our home in heaven. Amen.